Welcome to Mentored. This is Carson, and if you're just tuning in, may I encourage you first to listen to In Memory of Martin on your podcast listing. In this episode, you will be hearing the voice of my friend and co-host, even though he died unexpectedly on January 8, 2024. Martin and I had pre-recorded an entire year of episodes, so the advertisements and announcements you will hear regarding Martin are now not applicable. But we rejoice at having captured his voice and his wisdom. Now, as Martin would desire, let's start the music. Did it. Welcome to Mentored. Join two professional mentors, Carson Pugh and Martin Sanders, as they provide straight talk and wisdom to fellow leaders. Their approach is no nonsense, practical, and focused on helping you become a better leader in all aspects of your life. Together, we'll gain valuable insights and actionable advice from these seasoned mentors. So now, here's our episode. You know, I think I like this music more every time I hear it. Agree. It just seems like us. And to think that we could jam this out just before the podcast, that's awesome. In this episode, we are going to be exploring how to navigate through personal and professional losses in our lives. People who are listening or who stumbled upon this, who know us, Martin, also know a bit of our story. But I think it's important as we talk about grief and loss that we share a little bit of our personal journey. So let me ask you to begin sharing. I'm, to take the mystery out of this, Martin and I have both gone through the loss of a spouse. That's part of our personal story. And we want to begin this episode by sharing a little bit about what that is like for us to help frame the rest of our conversation about mentoring with people who experience loss. Yeah. I would say we both lost a spouse prematurely. Yes. We were both in our 50s. For our younger listeners, that seems old. Mm -hmm. For the rest, it's like that really is premature. Yeah. So ours started when Diana was just not herself. Mm-hmm. We met in high school. Uh, I was 17. She was the older woman. She was 18. <laughs> and a year or so later, got married, started family quickly, had two children, transition into a whole different life than we thought we were going to have, and really enjoyed that life. Mm -hmm. And then began to show up that she had some things going on, absence of just a presence in her eyes and began to fall forward mm -hmm. and so quickly made our way to one of the top research hospitals. And they quickly discovered that she just had four or more symptoms of eight different illnesses that could mm -hmm. be related and took us oh, years almost three to get a diagnosis. Yeah. And I was not quite sure it was the right one. Then after she passed and they'd done their clinical work, when the pathology report came, we discovered that it was absolutely wrong diagnosis. Wouldn't mm -hmm. have made much difference. Mm -hmm. 
But that was one of those long journeys that our entire family, our four children, had to go through to with us, through. all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that it, it sort of was a fun evening when we found that both you and Diana and Brenda and I were in Phoenix, Arizona at we the were. same time. And we were in hotels not far from each other. And one of the things I remember about that night was Diana was having some trouble speaking. She would be stumbling over. This was very early on because mm. you're both going, what's going on? You know, she was very cognizant of that. And then there's the four of us are together at that. And then fast forward four years and we're both without our spouses. Yeah. In my story, Brenda, she presented as like the healthiest person on the planet and was very healthy about everything that she ate and her exercise and all of the right things. She did all of the right things. And she went into the hospital to get a referral to a physiotherapist because she had a what she described as a stitch in her side. And our doctor, wanting to just make sure that he covered all the bases, asked her to go over to the hospital and have an x-ray taken because he said that she might have a broken rib. So she went in, had an x-ray done, and then the x-ray results came back showing a growth in her lungs. And after 11 days of testing and she was diagnosed with a particular type of lung cancer and she was given 150 days to live. When I say she was given, you know, when we as a family went into the doctor, I had coached all of my kids, don't ask the doctor how much time we have because it's just an estimate and, you know, they don't really know and it's an average of a lot of statistics. So when we were in the office and the doctor is telling us the definitive diagnosis, I was the first one to say, how much time? Where are we looking at? And my entire family looked at me, but we were startled by the response because the doctor said, well, you may not make it through Christmas. And then she went on to say that no one had lived more than 150 days with this type of cancer. So this began a whole change of life for us. Um, a time when as a family, as with you, Martin, you're facing the end of a relationship in some form. And during my journey, Diana had died a year before Brenda, and I've just appreciated you and the fact that in our friendship, we've been able to walk together through that time. It was actually the day of Brenda's funeral was the one-year anniversary day of Diana's passing. And so I was off yeah. working on some stuff to get through and cope and think and reflect well. Yeah. And we were on the phone together. Yeah. yeah. Everyone around us has experienced some kind of loss. Ours is very personal with our spouses. We actually had to help our children, in a sense, kind of mentoring our children through that. Brenda did an excellent job, actually, of preparing us for her death. She was a good mentor and led us through that. But I don't think that there is any person that I've ever been engaged in mentoring with that has not experienced some kind of loss, either personally like this or professionally. 
And I think that it's a proper thing for mentors to know how do we help people through times of grief and how do we guide them through that? One of my colleagues created a DVD series on spiritual formation and did a section called Grieving the Seasons of Our Lives mm -hmm. and did a great job at breaking it down into time frames and experiencing that in the approach that we will talk about during this session is how to attach adequate emotion and mm -hmm. feeling to the experience you've gone through. That's probably one of the outcomes that's most useful. But he got back to me and he said, Martin, great feedback. I know I did a good job on my grieving the seasons of life, but I didn't include death of people close to mm -hmm. us. And he said, I'd like you to redo that with me. And I said, at this stage, you've lost both parents. I think you can probably do this on your own. And he goes, I'd really like to bring you in on this. So yeah. we're looking at within this next year of probably refilming this. Mm -hmm. What about the people who came into our lives trying to be helpful? My In my situation, that was a bit of a mixed bag. Some of them weren't helpful at all. And then I was also surprised by some other people who came along. We received a great deal of support from them. One of the things that I thought was so great was people, instead of asking, they would just drop things off like mm. food cards, gift yeah. cards, and said, you'll use it sometime. Yeah. One of my neighbors put a cooler out on the front porch of our home, and people would come and simply drop off items for us that saw us through. Speaking of not always being helpful... From the time Diana passed until my birthday was about seven weeks. And in those seven weeks, I was gifted $3,500 worth of high caliber alcohol. And I'm not a drinker <laughs> right, at all. Right, you don't drink. <laughs> I'm going, they wanted to be helpful. They gave what they thought they would like. Yeah. That speaks a lot to help some people try to deal with grief and loss is through self-soothing, self-medicating. It can be a problem for some people if you start turning to alcohol or some other drug because it helps you lift up from that deep sense of pain that you are in. When, when we're helping others through grief and loss, a mentor, in fact, I, I would say this of anybody, anybody listening, whether you're mentoring or not, but actively listening to the person who's experienced the loss is one thing that we can do that is really helpful. However, I would also say that sometimes people would come over and I didn't want to talk. And I found I was deeply helped and supported by just the presence of some people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And even because every person who's terminal, their illness is different. Like Diana had lost the ability to speak and communicate well before she passed. And some very good people would just come and sit with her. Mm -hmm. And I came in one time and one of our friends, the woman was just holding her hand. Yeah. And Diana couldn't make facial expressions, but you could tell this was useful. Another one came and she was sort of stroking her hair. I thought... Mm -hmm. I do that, but I'd never thought about someone else doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those moments of, of being present are really helpful. 
I also encourage some of those closest to me to give them permission to talk about Brenda's death because most people avoid it and they don't know what to say. But I needed some people that I could count on who would ask me outright, how are you doing about Brenda's death? And what part of her do you miss the most? And those sorts of questions where permission is given and granted for us to talk about it. When we had Diana's memorial service, which was much later, uh, two and a half days after she was gone, we just had a local church that had a larger fellowship hall, it's probably mm -hmm. called. We just posted people could come. Some people flew in for that. And we said, it's only going to be from this time to this time. And we posted two people at the entrance. Mm -hmm. uh, one guy was uh, shaved head, 6'5", about 280, and the other was a younger, more petite female. And they simply said, the family has requested no talking, just hugs. Mm, yeah, lovely. P people said that was like the best thing because they felt a need to say something. Yeah. But we just went, we, we can't mm. cope with our grief and theirs. Yeah. So we just said, let's do this. And hundreds of people said that was just like genius for us because it took pressure off of us. Mm. I remember when people would be approaching me in my time of grief and loss, they had a misconception that all of us grieve the same way. And they would transfer on to me how they would be feeling. It's maybe an important point to make that everyone grieves differently. There is no one set pattern for how we express our grief and our loss. It affects us all differently. What about with your kids? Did, did you see that in your kids oh. in terms of how they, yeah, I did too. Yeah, very, very much so. And I said to them, look, you utilize your insurance for going to counselor, therapist, find the best you can find. Mm -hmm. And I'll, there would just be no questions. We'll just spend the money and take care of this for each other. Yeah. And uh, they did. However, in some places where they lived, it was harder to find a high caliber person because they were all busy and taken up. But then they all had different experiences as they went through that process. Mm -hmm. One of my sons actually thought he was doing well, and then in a professional moment had a meltdown. Yeah, yeah. And it was so interesting because his boss, two days later when he reported this, the boss said, yeah, I've been waiting for this to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, when my mother passed, I was actually leading a group of people, and I had a blank stare. I couldn't speak, mm -hmm. and then I began to weep. Yeah. He was very gracious. He said, take as much time as you need. Mm -hmm. Don't don't worry about working. Come in when you can. Yeah. You've got to deal with this. It's your mom. Yeah, that's a very compassionate response because I believe that grief will always show itself. And if you think that you can stuff it down and not address it, you're wrong. It's going to come out. You mentioned about sending the kids to see a counselor. What about yourself? Did you go? I did. For some reason that I don't understand, I have a disproportionately high number of friends who are 
clinical therapists or psychiatrists. Well, you've needed a lot, I'm it's sure. That's true, true, but if you were, we're talking multiple dozens here. <laughs> and so they would check in with me and someone mm -hmm. would just say, hey, you can come see me or we can do a yeah. phone call. I just want to check in on you and make sure. Yeah. I did not find grief counseling as useful for me. Part of it was where we lived in New York. People expressed themselves very differently than I did mm -hmm. and did not find a, a grief group as useful as I had hoped, right. but got it in other ways. Yeah, I attended a grief group. I remember it was on a Wednesday night for I forget how many weeks. And every day, every time it came up to being Wednesday, I was just dreading it because I, I didn't want to go to the group meeting. I had selected a group. They were meeting at a church a long ways away from me. And I did that because I didn't want to know anybody at the church. And in the group, I should clarify, it wasn't a church group. They were using a church facility. But the program was called Grief Share. But every time I came back from one of the sessions, I had actually taken away some little nugget that I found very, very helpful. And then in addition to that, I also sought out a therapist and spent some time talking to him. He had also lost his spouse. I knew them both, and I felt a lot of comfort there. He uses a style of counseling where he doesn't say very much, and he just keeps you talking and you look at the work that we do, we're kind of self-aware of it, and we can work it out if somebody will just sit with us and let us work at that. Hi, I'm Roy, and I'm the producer of Mentored. If you're a leader who's looking for personal or professional growth to take you to the next level, you actually need the support of an experienced mentor. And after working with these guys, I tend to agree. I think they're right on the money. Carson Pugh and Associates are going to offer you that with their virtual Zoom platform. Leaders from around the globe can receive the best possible mentorship in the comfort of their home or office. To learn more, visit mentoredpodcast.net and arrange a talk about your needs today. Invest in your future and your leadership with my old friend Carson. Your future starts now. Maybe this is a good place to pause this episode because we're going to do another one continuing on this theme of grief and loss. But we're ending it with this statement. We want to say to people who are grieving, take care of yourself. Like make sure that you're taking steps that will help you in your journey, in your grief journey. I will simply add to that, that will look different in very different people. And don't assume that once you start down a road, you're going to stay on that road. Mm. There may be something else that emerges. I, wait, I've, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Like, I had people contact me who'd lost someone, and they had been in grief counseling, etc. And they said, I'd, I'd like to actually be with a group that could be useful for me, shared experience, but not talking about this. Mm -hmm. So we created things like Thursday pasta nights. Mm -hmm. We did them in person and eventually did them virtually. Yeah. Created a number of those kind of things. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting, Carson, in my circles, I know more men who've lost their wives prematurely than the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, several dozen of us. Yeah. And those are very different kinds of conversations. Yes. Yeah. I have a really good friend who lost her husband extremely suddenly, like just nobody saw this coming. And one day he's here and the next day he's gone. There was no preparation time. She didn't have 588 days to process the impending death. We've talked quite a bit about how different our experiences are with grieving and the different ways we can seek out help. So come and join us for the next episode where we continue this conversation about grief and loss. It's one that's very close to, to Martin and I, and it's one that we care a great deal about. If you want to hear more from us and find other resources on mentoring, head over to our website at www.mentoredpodcast.net, where you'll find all our topics as well as a way to subscribe to future episodes. And we'd also appreciate it if on social media, you take a moment to like or comment on our episodes. This helps us create better content and reach more people with our message. I'm Martin Sanders. And I'm Carson Pugh. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.